You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. 702 and Cape Talk. Signal Bites with Aki Anastasio. Aki Anastasio joins us now for the... Uh, Monday morning uh, feature, Technobite. How's Oops, it, man? Hey, man? Good to see you. Ah, wonderful to be here, man. Really, really great to be here. I see we've got some beautiful, beautiful looking and um, yeah, intimidating gadgets here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting looking, um, what should we call this? A laptop from Dell? Yeah, this is the, the uh, Dell's type of top of the range flagship uh, notebook that they've got. It's the world's smallest 13-inch laptop. Um, and it's really uh, so incredibly well built. So if you're looking for a Windows machine a, uh, that runs, because I mean the two big games at the moment, it's the MacBook and 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 Windows machines. Yeah. And uh, um, no, this this is just beautifully built. I mean, if you just feel it, um, it it, it's sturdy. It's, it's got a touchscreen. It's got a 4K screen. Touchscreen, huh? Yeah. So so the great thing about that is as you're working, and it's amazing that. Uh, for all our lives, you know, we've been typing on the yeah. screen. We kind of don't interact with our fingers by yes. touching the screen. And I must say, we're using Windows and using it to touch the screen and do some of the functionality, dragging stuff across, opening apps. It, it really uh, starts uh, working quite well. So I, I, I like that flexibility to be able to do that on a touch screen. The only irritation that it leaves fingerprints on the screen. And I, I don't know about you. I just I can't yeah. handle marks on, on my computer. But yeah. But aside from that... You know, the Dell XPS 13 touchscreen notebook has a massive, uh, um, uh, it's got massive speed. I mean, using the latest Intel processors, it's got a black carbon finish on the inside. So you can see the finish is a beautiful rugged, yeah. alum, uh, you know, a rugged aluminum exterior that surrounds it. So it's a really sturdy, sturdy desktop. But they've got Dell's Infinity Edge border. So you'll notice, even though it's a 13-inch device, the screen is pushed right up against the edges, so you don't get that border around that screen of about one centimeter that you yeah. find on traditional notebooks. I mean, we're not going to go on about the specs because today's specs are just high-end. It's a high-end device. You don't have to worry about you know, fingerprint and all that sort of stuff. It's all built in. The battery life, 12 to 16 hours, which is pretty wild. Well, eh? yeah, yeah. On that little machine, 12 to 16 hours. It's uh, extraordinary. Okay, I, I, I know it's going to sound really, really ignorant yes. to the question I'm going to ask you now, but what is the difference between a laptop and a notebook? Not much. Yeah? Nothing. In fact, it's, a, it's, exactly it's an interesting the same debate. Thing. Yeah, uh, I always feel so stupid when people are saying, my notebook, well, notebook and then I'm still talking about laptop. Now, you know, I just thought, you know, let me just come out and just uh, ask the question. Well, you know, traditionally, I think the word laptop came from, um, you know, something that would sit on your lap and you'd yeah. work. Um, nowadays, we just call it a notebook uh, yeah. because it's it's just a, an advanced. So I, I, you know, I don't know. Some people call it a laptop. A notebook traditionally is uh, thinner. It's a more new generation, so it's it's a lot thinner than a laptop. Well, this would certainly fall within that description. Yeah, no, it's no, a absolutely. lot thinner. Yeah. It is far more sturdier. It is uh, just so sleek. I mean, it's yes. just beautiful machine here. Yeah, right? no, no, essentially, yeah, it is, and that's essentially what the, the big difference is between yeah. a laptop and a notebook. It's just thinner. I think the laptop, you'll find the bigger, thicker devices would be come onto the category of laptop. Sure. So this is definitely a, a notebook. All right. Um, you were going to talk to us a little bit about um, about uh, AI, I think, AI. Yeah. So so interesting. The, the, uh, I don't know if you've Artificial read. Artificial intelligence. Artificial AI, intelligence. Right, yeah. uh, do you know the, the author Yuval Noah Hariri? No. Have you heard of him? Not he, at all. Orbs, um, knowing you, you will love his books. Yeah. Um, he's been around for a while. 
But he's written quite a few books, and uh, he wrote a book called Homo Deus. He's written a book called Sapiens, A History of, of Human Mankind. And he just dwells into, uh, as humans, and how we're evolving and where we've come from. And he's just a fascinating guy. He's got some great TED Talks as well. Yeah. But he was recently doing a, an interview, um, and he was doing this interview with um, the Nationals' Rosemary Barton. And he's got a new book coming out. He's promoting it. It's called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And he talks about AI and, you know, a lot of questions about AI and how human is AI going to be and how are us as human beings going to interact with with AI. And you may, you may remember a movie, um, uh, I think it was called Her, a, a few years ago that yeah. came out, yeah. where a guy starts interacting with this device next to his bed and falls in love with him, with this device. But he's basically saying that AI is, you know, in terms of replacing human relationships, might not get there completely, but he's saying that AI is certainly going to do a lot more than what we actually think. And he gives an example of a doctor, for example, um, uh, in this AI scenario. Take a listen to what he said in this interview. As AI becomes better in understanding our feelings and emotions and reacting to them, we might actually become very intolerant of humans because they are less empathic than the computers and the robots. Usually the main argument against AI doctors or AI teachers yeah. is that, ah, but I want my doctor to understand my feelings. So the doctor, there are two problems with the human doctor. First of all, it's not always easy to know how the patient feels. If you're a human, you rely on all kinds of external signals, uh -huh. like what you say and the tone of voice and facial expression, but it's limited. And secondly, the doctor has her own emotions. Maybe she just had a big fight with her husband in the morning, and she's busy reconstructing this fight, and she can't really bother with you too much. <laughs> but with an AI, it will never happen, because the AI has no husband, has no feelings of its own. It's completely attuned to you. Yeah. Uh, there is the science fiction movie Her, which yeah. explores yeah. Yeah. this scenario in, in a very interesting way. Uh, and again, it reverses the kind of fear people usually have. People usually fear that the computers will not care about us. But actually, the problem might be the opposite. They will care about us so much more than the average human that we will be very intolerant of most human relationships. Hey, how's that? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually quite a scary pro prospect for me, um, Aki, because... I suppose it's going to make us start asking deeper questions about what does it mean to be human. Yeah, well, absolutely. So, so, so for me, I, I hear the argument for the efficiency of the artificial intelligence in how it'll be able to read mm. human emotions, human feelings, and all of those kinds of things. But I'm just wondering that once those human emotions are read so efficiently by exactly. a piece of Technology is it still a human interpretation of those? That's so those are suppo I suppose those are still some of the philosophical questions that need to be asked around this whole process. Absolutely, yeah? but but what, what he's also saying is that this the technology is is going to evolve so much that it's going to be more caring. Yep. Towards us as human beings, and uh, well, you know, you're actually going to start, and and you can start understanding why. When I watched that movie, I said, "No ways, man! How's how can you fall in love with, uh, uh, you know, technology?" But when you hear something like this, yep. and the technology can evolve to such a degree that it's more engaging with you, you, you can actually understand people yeah. might be falling in love with yeah, technology, yeah. with with something that responds to you. I think it's the big questions of our time. Yeah. Um, our interactions with uh, with technology as human beings, 
what does it mean to be human? What are the ethics and moralities that 100%. are going to be connected to that whole process? And I think it's a it's a debate that the world really needs to get in get in touch with at this point because I think um, it's no longer something that will happening have happen. I think it's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Dead right. Dead right. So you're holding a mic there in your hands. This is the the Sennheiser memory mic, okay? And what this mic does, Aubrey, it attaches onto your, your sleeve or wherever you want to attach yep. it onto, okay? So traditionally when you're shooting a video from a distance, let's say you're shooting your kid cycling away, yep. you're just getting the cycling, right? But you're not getting the audio of what yes. your kid's experiencing or whoever's experiencing a distance away. Yes. What this does is it's got four hours recording and it records – uh, whatever you, uh, whatever that person is saying, saying your in, breath, in that specific yeah. action, for example, yeah. okay, you then take the, you download the audio from there via an app, and it combines the audio that you are picking up on your phone, the ambient noise plus whatever that person is wow. saying on the microphone. So you combine the two, and now I can hear you clearer, even though you're cycling thirty, forty meters away. Yes. I'm getting a clear recording of your voice and what you're doing. The result of that is it's not just somebody having a visual experience. Exactly. It's a it's a it's a far deeper experience in that you can hear the sounds, you can see what's Correct. happening there. And I suppose it is far more yeah, far more of a defined experience. Exactly, yeah? exactly. But but what happens traditionally when we're recording video on our devices? You lose the audio of somebody 30, 40 meters away. You sure. can't get it. Yeah. And what this does is it captures it, and it's just a brilliant device. And uh, it's called the Sennheiser Memory Mic. It's available in the country. And then finally, to end with, and I found this one really interesting because I know you delve and you're very passionate about education as well. Yeah. But in, in, And this is a trend that's coming out from the U.S., and it's a trend that kind of is showing elsewhere around the world. And you can understand where it's going. So the education company, Pearson Education, they print textbooks and all that sort of thing. They found that Generation Z, now Generation Z are kids, you know, between the ages of 14 and 23, that they've done the survey in the U.S. And they found that these kids see YouTube as a bigger contributor to the education than textbooks do. And um, they're saying that they spend more time on YouTube um, and other virtual platforms um, learning stuff and f discovering new stuff and actually learning about algebra or that sort of thing. So it makes complete sense. And, and I don't know about you, but whenever I try and find something that I'm unsure of or finding uh, – the other day I wanted to open a, a, an AC adapter, a box. Yeah. And I, was like, I, was, I took the screwdriver and I, I, I was frustrated because it doesn't have screws. Yeah. What did I do? I Googled it on, on YouTube. I said – uh, how do you open an AC adapter? And so there were like 15 different videos of guys that had done this. Yeah. So I can understand it, how it's impacting deeper down, especially with, with, uh, with this next generation Z that's coming into the workforce, that they're now using YouTube more than what they use textbooks to learn and discover new stuff. And, um, and if you're looking for a great tool and you haven't tried it yet, man, YouTube, you can find anything. Yeah. You want to open up your sprinkler system. Somebody has done a video about that. Well, it's a question I've asked on previous shows that I've done, uh, and the question has been the traditional way of acquiring knowledge, the yes. traditional university, the traditional school. Are we seeing its demise at this point, given the kind of technology you're talking about, YouTube, and the fact that uh, kids can go to YouTube and learn? No, uh, what's going to happen to the traditional classroom? Uh, and I think it's a conversation we also need to have in this country. It's a and great elsewhere, one. Yeah? It's a great one. And especially if you look at the finances of some of the big universities around the world, they're just not sustainable as business models. And it's yeah. sad because you need those institutions 
to further um, not only the studies but to do the research, research yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, I don't know. We need to reach a fine medium balance. But the traditional university, not sustainable. Aki Anastasio, always great talking to you. And that was uh, Technobite with Aki Anastasio.